I'd like to talk a little bit about um, this this uh, idea of planting the seeds for joy or laying the ground uh, for joy uh, in our lives and um, and and then and, and talk about what are the contributing factors uh, that are part of of a, a practice that you know these practices that the Buddha taught and and then we can talk a little bit as, as well I'd like to also have time for some reflection within the group <clears throat> so first I'd, I'd like to differentiate between um, joy in the way that that um, I'm talking about it uh, in this day-long retreat and um, and a good mood so so there there's a difference um, so um, sometimes uh, sometimes joy and happiness th th these words are used <coughs> by different people in different ways but but you know the way I, I'll, I'll use it is um, like happiness for me uh, points to a uh, an experience which is based on things that happen you know it's kind of in the word you know happiness things happen to happen and and so we feel good you know so we um, we get uh, you know, an opportunity, or, um, or it's a sunny day, uh, or, um, you know, we we have a good meal, or a friend calls, and uh, and and those things are um, uh, are are lovely, and it's not to diminish how this nourishes us in our lives. Um, it's just to point out that the 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 these experiences, that kind of experience, a pl pleasant experience, is um, is based on conditions over which we don't really have control. Um, so so uh, you know we're say say we're in a good mood because uh, we're going on a vacation, and then you know we're in the airport. And the flight is delayed, you know, and the weather is bad, and our luggage is lost, you know. So, all of these things, uh, you know, the, our good mood is is kind of uh, probably uh, dented, if, if not uh, disappeared. So, um, so. So these these happy experiences come and and it's one of the things that is really being taught um, and emphasized in actually in brain science is to, to take in the good take in like these these lovely experiences like the sunshine and 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 the the call from a friend or whatever it is and appreciate them because. They uh, they do nourish us because I, in a certain way, especially since you know, as Rick Hansen, um, Dr. Rick Hansen, who is a um, a neuropsychologist, has pointed out in his his books and his online courses, we are programmed to take in what is dangerous or threatening or um, you know problems, things that we we designate as problems and and that we have to address or threats and and we're not so programmed to take in the good and so it really does help our <clears throat> our mental health and our sense of well-being to to take in the good um, and um, and to know that it it's impermanent. It, it comes and goes, and it's dependent on conditions. There's a there's a, um, a a little verse from William Blake that I I really like. Uh, you know that 
that talks about this just taking it in but not trying to grasp it or hold on to it um, when it's not in our control to do so. Um, and the verse goes, He who binds to himself a joy does the winged life destroy, but he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. So, so just, yeah, life is unfolding. It's continually unfolding. Can we take what arises as, as, it, um, as it comes into our experience? So the joy that, that develops through the different practices in spiritual practice is, um, has a quality of um, uh, aliveness and well-being. So it's um, that we're a sense of we're, we're stepping fully into this moment. We're present in this moment. We're not resisting it. This moment is complete as it is. Um, we're not, we're not getting caught in preferences that it should be this way or that way, and um, it's it's characterized by a sense of engagement with life, um, meeting the ups and downs of life with authenticity and perspective, and um, and this this quality can can look very different from person to person. It, it, can, it can be a, a quiet sense of contentment. Uh, it can be a quality of humor and vivaciousness. Um, uh, some people are always able to, to uh, see a, a kind of a, a quirky humor in certain situations, which is, I, I think, a real gift. Not everybody has it. But just a, a, a quiet sense of um, presence and openness, uh, with this quality of 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 well-being um, and uh, uh, open-heartedness. So joy um, as a quality of heart-mind in this in this way, as opposed to something that just arises because conditions are, are, are pleasant, is a development. And, um, and like all spiritual developments, it comes about because of causes and conditions that are put in place through our practice. And so um, our mindfulness practice enables us to distinguish, to discern what brings joy. You know, so if this choice is made, will it bring joy or will it bring suffering? And so the capacity to to pay attention, to be mindful, to be aware of what's happening in our inner experience is gives us that capacity to make choices that are uh, less likely to cause suffering to ourselves and to others, and more likely to cause uh, peace, contentment, joy, a sense of love, compassion, and so on. And um, and just that that uh, learning to be present to ourselves and connected to our hearts, even if even if what's happening in the heart is um, there's grieving or there's a sense of loss or sadness, and still in that presence there's a certain uh, that quality of care that we're giving to ourselves by paying attention there has a, a taste of, um, of well-being in it. Um, and so, uh, so even if you know, the content of our thoughts or the <coughs> content of our, 
of, of our feelings, our emotions, are, is, is maybe challenging or unpleasant or difficult. Still, by caring for ourselves and paying attention, that in itself gives us a sense of space and being at home in ourselves. <clears throat> the, there's a quote from, from Hafiz, which, uh, who is a, uh, I think a 12th century poet, um, Middle Eastern poet. He says, stay close to anything that makes you glad you are alive. Stay close to anything that makes you glad you are alive. And I think that's especially true about staying close to ourselves, staying connected to ourselves. <clears throat> so some of the roots that set in place the conditions for joy to arise, you know, we've already talked about generosity. And generosity was often one of the first things that the Buddha would teach when when people came to him and said, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, study with you, I'd like to um, follow your teachings. And, um, and the, the effect of, of generosity, uh, and I was really, uh, I, my heart was touched and, and joyful as, as I listened to the, um, the things that people talked about as we began this morning. Um, in terms of their own experiences of of uh, giving or receiving, <clears throat> generosity reverses a sense of grasping for, for for oneself. Like I don't have enough, and um, and also sometimes when we're generous with ourselves, with our time, with our attention, you know, it reverses this sense of. I am not enough, you know, I, you know, like, well, I could call that person, I know they're having a hard time, but what do I have to offer, you know, just, and just really um, opening to the truth that, that our presence, our attention, our, our caring, um, our being willing to show up and be there with somebody is uh, is worth something, is of value. And to experience that in, the, in that moment of, of uh, showing up. Generosity helps to reduce our fear of insufficiency, a sense of competitiveness for resources. Um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes that comes up, you know. We feel... Uh, and it can come up because, you know, we are really financially stretched or we're in a situation where we don't feel uh, that, that safe or that balanced. Um, I remember many years ago I was in a situation where um, uh, I was at, we were in a high altitude. I had gone on a trip to... Uh, to Chile, and uh, and we had arrived in this place. We were with a large group of people, and uh, and we had kind of arrived very quickly at this high altitude, and we were setting up, and and like I was just feeling so, uh, like I was dizzy, and um, and I was just wanting to you know take care of myself. Like oh, I need to take care of myself, and then I I was so uh, moved by this woman who I saw moving around and and she was taking care of you know she was checking in are you okay you know how are you feeling do you what do you need do you need more blankets and it's like wow you know just uh, so inspiring and um, uh, you know a teacher in that moment so um Yeah, so just remembering um, when people were generous to us, remembering when we, when we have been 
generous to others, can open our hearts, can um, can help us to reach out, uh, even at times when we are uh, feeling stretched in our own resources. You know, it's uh, it's often remarked that that when like when there's a storm, you know, like if anybody remembers the ice storm, if you were in Montreal at that time, and and the way people just helped one another out and um, checked in on each other, uh, opened their homes to people. Well, sometimes, sometimes we step up during times when we are even especially feeling um, under-resourced. And that can be, so, so that can be something that we can remember, you know, rather than kind of going inward or feeling isolated or, um, um, you know, feeling more competitive. Maybe we have a choice to share what we have. Um, yeah, the Buddha said that um, if anyone, if people realized what benefit there is in sharing what we have, even if it's not a lot, um, nobody would sit down to a meal by themselves knowing that there was somebody who didn't have enough to eat. So that's... That's kind of, mm, wow. <clears throat> kind of a clarion call there. Another, um, another factor in spiritual practice that can, that can give rise to joy is the practice of ethics. Uh, and the essence of ethical practice in in Buddhism is the the spirit of non-harming. So, really reflecting on, you know, is what I'm doing harming another? And um, so, you know, it's it's not taking what doesn't belong to us, and it's also, uh, you know. Not harming in our speech, and 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 not speaking unkindly, or not speaking about people behind their back. You know, that's something that so common in our society that we we talk about people, and you know, we gossip and uh, and and criticize and judge, and it's it's actually you know it hurts if if we sen- if we're sensitive to ourselves in the moment when that's happening and if we're participating in it, there's something there's there's something compelling about doing it because then we want to feel like we belong to the group that, you know, it's this, you know, kind of the group that's stand sitting around and or standing around talking about somebody. But you know so so it, there's something in us that wants to belong, but then there's also something in it, in us that knows. Well, when I'm not here, they're probably talking about me, mm-hmm. and 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 also just it, it 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 it's not it's unskillful, it's unkind, and and so really refraining, noticing, beginning to notice when is that happening, and you know it can happen. Of course, in social media, it can happen online, but but really just refraining from unskillful speech, uh, from harsh speech, unkind speech, and of course, untruthful speech. Um, also respecting our bodies, respecting uh, the sexuality of our bodies, and, and using that in skillful ways, ways that are kind to ourselves and and respectful of others as well. Um, there's a, there's a, a sense of integrity that when we're when we're really um, aspiring and 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 bringing our mindfulness mindfulness in, 
ethics is a mindfulness practice because we we see when we're being driven by by greed or by anger uh, or by delusion or by some kind of bigotry or prejudice, which is a form of delusion, um, and and to to safeguard ourselves, to make a commitment not to act in unskillful ways. Um, gives us a sense of integrity. And I, I really love the word integrity because it expresses a wholeness, that we're not leaking, you know, that like like a, a, a jar or a vessel that has integrity isn't leaking. You know, we're not leaking out of, you know, greed or, or, or hatred. And, um, and there's a sense of, um, a sense that we've been true to our own inner wisdom, and um, and that and that those that we look up to in our lives, and we all have people that we look up to in our lives, and that those that we look up to would not reproach us, would not you know, kind of look at us and say, mm, you could have, you know, you could have uh, refrained from saying that at that moment. So not not to beat ourselves up or feel guilty or sh- or shame, but but to uh, to cultivate um, that that impeccability of uh, of ethics. Another um, important factor that I talked about just before meditation is a collected and, and calm mind. So meditation smooths out the energy of the mind. The mind tends to be scattered and restless and and driven by wanting more and more pleasant experiences and wanting to get rid of the unpleasant parts of our lives. Um, and you know, and sometimes we zone out or or distract ourselves in it with addictive behavior when when there's unpleasant feeling. Um, so avoiding feelings. So developing the capacity to calm and steady the mind in meditation and to just be with what arises. Whatever thoughts arise, whatever emotions arise, to um, a kind of inner stability of awareness, which is not based on thoughts or opinions, but on our capacity to simply pay attention without reacting. And that's, that's what we're cultivating in meditation. So, so the, you know, bringing our attention back to the breath and steadying the mind and, and calming the body and then and calming the mind um, gives us that capa- capacity and stability <coughs> to be with what is in our lives. Because l- we all know that life dishes up all kinds of experiences, and some of them are painful. You know, the loss, illness, um, a sense of uh, abandonment, um, and um, uh, the body becoming ill and, and aging. So, and of course, death. So, so uh, we had cultivating that. That, that spaciousness, that s- stability of mind, that openness and presence is, uh, allows joy to, um, is, is a, an experience of joy and allows us to step into each moment in a, in a way that is fully present and wholehearted. And there is a quality of joy in that. Um, there's a teacher, uh, Bhikkhu Analayo, who who says, you know, that that each outbreath, you know, can be a letting go. You know, as we breathe in, we connect with the body, and and it what we connect with might be pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, but as we breathe out, we can let go, and that letting go, that release, can bring with it, even if it's very subtle a sense of well-being. Another another thing that 
is very important in our practice um, that cultivates joy is is love, and we cultivate love in in our practice. Um, just many of you have done the practice of metta, loving kindness, to um, to bring um, uh, open the heart to and bring care and f- a sense of friendship to people that we know, that we feel close to, but also people that we don't necessarily know or or feel close to, and even people that maybe are kind of difficult or challenging in our lives, challenging to be with, uh, and to, to, to cultivate that capacity to wish well to another, you know, May you be happy. May you be at peace. May you have a sense of well-being in your life and live with ease. Um, it's, it's a, you know, if we're holding resentment, if we're holding jealousy, if we're holding a sense of separateness, it'll, it, that helps us to let go and open the heart. And that is certainly an experience of joy. And um, at the same time, there needs to be boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll be talking about it. <laughs> um, so, but it affirms our connection to others in our lives. Um, so, uh, so, so when we feel a sense of love. Um, uh, opening to that, and friendship can be a uh, can be a real um, a very very rich place, a very rich arena for us to uh, to to practice all of these beautiful qualities of uh, of generosity and ethics and. Um, and listening, um, listening, and being open in in friendships, um, accepting others as they are. Um, the Buddha said that um, there was one conversation between the Buddha and Ananda, that uh, in which Ananda said, um, "You know, I think that that uh, spiritual friendship is." Is half of our spiritual practice, and and the Buddha said, "Oh Ananda, spiritual friendship is the whole of spiritual practice." And you know that's that's kind of interesting to think about. You know that in our relationships, that we we uh, discover. Um, how to love, how to receive, and you know, and sometimes how to draw boundaries when that's needed, as was mentioned. Um, how to how to say no uh, when we feel that it's unkind to ourselves to overextend ourselves. <clears throat> Rumi said. Um, when you do things from your soul, you feel a river moving in you, a joy. And so that, uh, you know, that, that sense of uh, letting that spirit of generosity, of love, of kindness, of compassion move us. And there's a poem by Hafez that says, Admit something. Everyone you see, you say to them, love me. Of course, you do not do this out loud, otherwise someone would call the cops. (laughs) Still though, think about this. This great pull in us to connect. Why not become the one who lives with a full moon in each eye that is always saying, 
with that sweet moon language what every other eye in this world is dying to hear. So, and just a few other things to mention. Um, that um, gratitude, the practice of gratitude, talked a little bit about that before. Um, we tend to look at what we lack, and gratitude brings us into a radical presence with life, like not only being grateful for the pleasant things in our life, but being pres- grateful for also the things that are challenging, the things that we need to open our hearts to, the things that have been difficult. And um, gratitude is a sense, brings us into a sense of the fullness of this moment. Can Can I be grateful for this moment just as it is? And so, of course, we begin by kind of this, we begin the practice of gratitude by a sense of noticing what's the goodness of our lives, the blessings, the opportunities, uh, the kindness. And then, and then can we extend that even to, uh, can I be grateful for the learning that a particular loss or a particular challenge has brought me? Because I've, I've, I've learned from that, I've grown from that. And I've developed a deeper capacity for compassion for others who are going through the same thing. Simplicity can, can bring us joy, a sense of being easily contented with what we have. It's, content, it's connected to gratitude. And humility, not always wanting to be recognized, to be, you know, oh, you're, you're so smart, you're so beautiful, you're so talented, you know, can we just, uh, you know, that there's that, when, we're, when there's this drivenness for recognition and, uh, I mean, of course, we all need to be affirmed. Uh, we, and, and, and somebody said something so beautiful about reflecting the luminosity of, of somebody that you see, and, uh, and that's such a gift to do that. Um, and at the same time, when we are f- we're feeling this always this drivenness to be recognized, it causes us it, it, it causes us pain, and it keeps us from really enjoying the gifts that we are manifesting in each moment. The word humility is actually connected with uh, humus, which means dirt or earth. So, uh, so we're we're earth. We're earth beings, and we we come from the earth. We're nourished by the earth, and we return to the earth. And when we remember that, it helps us to be humble. Um, insight that comes in meditation comes from awareness living from a deep knowing of the impermanence of everything and the interdependence and fluidity of life so knowing that we that we can't hold on to anything that we're not that we're we're in, interconnected we're not we're not in control we're not isolated um, when we surrender to that wisdom, that brings joy. So, um, yeah, just, and maybe the last, the last sentence uh, I'll say is that um, as we deepen in, in our spiritual practice, we deepen in a sense of being in unity with, being fully present in all of our experience. And, um, and so uh, in, that, in that sense of unity with, with all of our life, the mind doesn't get caught in preferences and resisting, 
and and so life unfolds in a way that is um, that is joyful, that is free, that is that has a sense of ease. Uh, even even when we're you know there's a crisis at you know at our workplace or you know we hear some bad news or all of these things it's not that it's not that it's uh, not felt but that it can be felt within a sense of openness and space and acceptance and contentment uh, with life as it is so um, so perhaps things that I've said have touched something in you or raised a question or or you have a reflection or or something that you'd like to um, to share. Uh, so so we have some time now to, to do that. And I, I would welcome anyone to jump in with a comment or a question. A lot of the things that you've um, pointed uh, to, for me, they elicit um, more peace um, rather than joy. And I was trying to sort of check inside, you know, what is that step from peaceful uh, feeling to joyful feeling? And there's, there seems to be more movement with, with joy. Um, there's an aliveness there. It's pétillant, it's sparkly. And there's something just yeah, almost like a, a breath, a movement, rather than peace, which is more static. And I, and I, I guess I'm I'm kind of looking in, in all these things that um, that you've mentioned that uh, support joy. I see how they support peace, but I don't really see how they support joy, mm -hmm. at least in my experience. So I was wondering if there is a if in your, in your own exploration you've seen that step also mm -hmm. what is that yeah. how do we get there yeah. from the peace to the joy yeah so part of it is just noticing joy um, and joy the kind of joy I mean sometimes you know in a meditation like it can happen that that just there's a lot of um kind of a quality of bliss, you know, when the mind is really open and settled and expansive, you know, and that, that could be experienced as, as joy, you know. So these words are a range, and, and there are distinctions that are made between the words, like there's words like rapture and joy, um, uh, enjoyment, um, and I... I I think that, you know, we don't need to distinguish, uh, like, like, cut hairs, but, but you're right, there is a sense of a kind of a, a vitality, and it, it might be just noticing when this is present, because it, that's actually something that the Buddha encouraged people to do, because joy is so nourishing to spiritual life. And so he said, you know, when joy arises, take it in, like, like notice it, and, and, and kind of just uh, take it in. Like if it, and and in particular, he was talking about if, if it arises, you know, in your meditation that the mind is is very collected and joy is arising, just just feel it in your whole body. He said, take it into every little nook and cranny of your body and feel it. Um, and uh, this teacher I mentioned before, um, Bhikkhu Analayo, um, encourages people to, to really notice joy as it arises in your meditation practice and in your life. Um, and um, uh, and, and, and as we notice it and, and actually give attention to it, we are cultivating it. So, so it might be that 
it's there, but it's not kind of hitting your radar screen, you know. Uh, and so, um, uh, and and what we give attention to is what we're cultivating in our in our lives. Um, but you know, when you're meditating, uh, or when one is meditating. Um, and you know, talking about um, a, a, a meditation practice, uh, you know, which is kind of focusing on insight meditation, um, and um, and and the the mind is present and attentive, and, and then we, you know, perhaps we get drawn into some kind of story, like, um, you know, some kind of drama, right? And, um, and, and we may get caught up in that for however long, a, a minute, five minutes, and, and it feels, it can feel uh, that there's angst, that there's uh, suffering, that there's wanting things to be different, um, there's struggle. And then at a certain point, Sati comes back, taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, mindfulness. And so you know, we come back and, and we recognize that that whole drama, all the suffering in that was mind-created that we, we created that in our mind. And we come back and we feel a space that's opened up. And in that space, you might discover joy. You might call it relief. You might call it uh, more freedom. But there's something that's opened up in there and that has a quality of, of joy. It's liberation. Yeah. So, yeah, explore that. It's, it's, it's to be discovered, really, and um, might be a little ember. Yeah. Other comments or questions? Yeah. Yeah, mine uh, echoes something that was uh, brought up in the back around like lovingly saying no or boundaries um, after sort of a resource feels like it's been tapped out for a certain person or a certain group of people. If there are stories around that or anecdotes, I've done some searching, but it, it was... Um, something that I wanted to bring up in the next meditation that I go to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think it is important, you know, because we can, I mean, if we're, if we're going by a, a sense of I should, you know, like I should be compassionate, I should be generous, you know, like this, it's in a way where we're dividing ourselves. It, we're, we're dividing ourselves into somehow we're looking at ourselves from outside and we're saying, you know, that's not good enough, you know, you didn't give enough, you know, you weren't compassionate enough. Uh, and, um, and, and that, that kind of judgment is, is painful and it's actually is reinforcing a sense of constructed self, you know, like I'm not good enough or I didn't do enough, and and so we're really focusing on this sense of I. But if we're connected to the heart, connected to the whole body mind uh, process, you know when we respond with generosity and love 
Um, we also know when, you know, it's, you know, it, it begins to feel like it's too much or we need to replenish or we need to nourish ourselves also, you know. And so, um, so that's important, just to stay tuned into ourselves and not be kind of driven by a sense of obligation or uh, external judgment about what we do and and it's you know it's it's not a simple thing like the this question of of boundaries is uh is something that's kind of a dance you know it's something that we need to discover in in the moment and we um And it, it might be that sometimes we say no when we could have said yes, or we say yes when we maybe would have been more healthy for ourselves to say no. Um, and and we uh, we learn. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a good a, a good question because if our boundaries are so you know kind of preordained and determined you know that we're we're saying no I won't do this you know because this takes me out of my comfort zone you know if we're, if, if we're living in that kind of space then then we're really living in a kind of a, a fort <laughs> opposite's true yeah but but if we're if we don't have any boundaries I think that uh, then you know we're being engulfed and so then you know really um, self-love self-compassion and and kindness and wisdom you know need us to need you know teach us that we need to um, nourish ourselves and care for ourselves um, and that that our life and our well-being is just as important as anybody else's it's, it's not when we're not just here to serve you know we're here like we need to take care of ourselves and our well-being is just as important you know the buddha said um, that your, you, any, any one of us, he said, you deserve liberation as much as anybody else. You deserve the, the joy of liberation, awakening, as much as anybody else. And, and so part of that process is to awaken to um, when we're being unkind to ourselves, when we feel that we're discounting our own value and our own, you know, our own needs. Yeah. Um, I found in my, uh, you know, observations, um, you know, that, <clears throat> I mean, I do judge myself, um, because I'm observing other people and it inspires me to be more open and more generous and so that when I do something and I fall short of my own um, aspired to, you know, level of, of generosity, it, it, but I, I want to be aware of that so that another time I won't hold back. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a part of it for me anyway that is a learning, a learned experience. Yeah. I just don't spring fully, you know, out of the head of Zeus and be, you know, <laughs> wow, you know. And um, but so my integrity is in motion. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the, the word judgment is just, when I use the word judgment, <clears throat> I, the implication in it, the sense of it is con- condemnation. 
you know, judging is something that I think of as closed, you know, and and so, but, you know, it's like, like that story I told about, you know, when I was at high altitude and I was just kind of all wrapped up in taking care of myself and then I saw this woman taking care of so many others and, and yeah, I felt, I felt, oh, you know, I wish I had done more. I wish I, you know, I wish I had been more um, generous and kind of, you know, step beyond my, uh, my own discomfort. Um, and also, you know, I, I mean, she was an emergency room doctor, so she was <laughs> trained in that kind of thing, and she, you know, so she, she knew how to do that. And, uh, but people do inspire us to, to step out of our comfort zone and, um, and, and be more generous, so... So it's just, you know, so I, I think that the way you're using the word judging is is like a, a sense of, I mean... Performance the, review? Yeah, performance <laughs> review. <laughs> a, a, just a, a sense, uh, maybe, or a reality check, or a, a, uh, a, a sense of remorse. Like, remorse can be a healthy thing. Like, uh, in the sense of, oh, uh, you know... Well, one learns from it. Well, yeah, one learns on. from it, exactly. But not, not creating a sense of guilt around it. Yeah, that's the important thing. Yeah, what you were saying before in terms of, you know, doing things that are good for yourself, and I think it's so true. Like, I'm seeing a physiotherapist because I have a shoulder problem, and we were talking about, you know, what physical activities I'm able to do. And she just looked at me and she said, you know what, ask yourself... Um, how does this? How does it serve your healing? Like a lot, a little, or not at all? And it just struck a chord in me that, like, you know, you can say that question and and reflect on it for your own, you know, spiritual journey or path. And you know, we all get carried up in in our everyday lives, and, and and we're doing, 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 doing. But it's so important to stop sometimes and say, okay, does this serve my healing? Does it give me joy? Does it give me peace? And it's really important to do things that do give you joy and peace. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've been thinking about that. Like, um, is there, uh, is this, is there like a joy? that is not as individual a joy. I know that like when I when I work on myself, I emit a little bit more cosy energy. <laughs> and at the same time, like I wonder if like um, if I'm not thinking about myself but I, I am thinking about like I guess it's like it's like interchangeable. But to think about like creating joy for myself, but also creating joy maybe less for myself or for the for the people. Mm -hmm. uh, for, and and I and when I say people, like because I do sometimes I do see like I've worked at very different jobs to like notice that when I go to when I'm with affluent communities, they're very insular, but they still care for each other. And then, but the, because they have so much resources, they just live in a bubble. And, and within that bubble, they really take care of themselves. But I also see that the resources are like, uh, I don't know, it's almost like they don't even know that they, they could share so much more mm -hmm. um, to people that are like marginalized and like really in me. Mm. I don't know, I've just been really thinking about that because I have spent I did have spent a lot of my life like at this moment like really taking care of myself. And I have noticed that yes, like I, I have this, but there's a sense of like 
I don't know, like I think I start to be like, oh, it's still a little bit like, as much as I, I have, I'm a human and I desire, there's a sense of just maybe the spiritual emptiness or like something that I felt like when I reach out in a more gener generous way to others, that I'm more fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And not just in groups where I feel secure and safe, mm -hmm. but maybe really thinking of my boundaries, like of maybe crossing them sometimes to like learn a lesson of generosity or like, I don't know. Right. I think I'm kind of just thinking yeah. about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <clears throat> it's true. We you know we can live in bubbles and um, and just uh, be primarily with people who are you know in certain ways alike, like us, and um, uh, and it's it really is. Um, it's great to to notice that even you know <laughs> to just even even to have the awareness that that we're in bubbles sometimes and uh, and reach outside those bubbles and I think yeah that that is the teaching of generosity that when we think of the joy of others that we um, and the well-being of others that that it it opens our heart gives us joy. Um, in the, I've been doing the breathing in joy, breathing out joy, breathing in pleasure, breathing in pleasure. But like sometimes I, I don't know the difference between the two. Like there's joy and pleasure, and pleasure and joy. Oh. <laughs> like what's the intersection? Is it just there? It it becomes it becomes like a a, a technical thing. Um, you know, like you're talking about the An Anapanasati Sutta. Yeah, or yeah. like eating cake. Or <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, eating cake is one of this, these conditional things. <laughs> when we eat too much, then it becomes unpleasant. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't you know, I mean, uh, in the in the kind of development in terms of spiritual uh, the spiritual uh, evolution, like joy is sometimes used as a word. Rapture. It can be very energetic. It can it can feel very. Um, Intense, and it can feel so intense sometimes that it verges on the unpleasant, you know. Um, and 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 then it goes to a more subtle phase, you know, where you know some of those those uh, energies maybe have moved through the body, and and it's yeah, it's a more subtle phase, so it's, it's more refined. Or, but it's, I don't think it's that critical a point. Just, okay, maybe, uh, okay, one, two more. Yeah. I was going to say something similar to what the um, um, was saying that about how much is this healing you. Yeah. But, um, Can't hear. Just that um, I think you know, when it comes to spiritual practice, there's, like you said, it, it's, it's this dance, but somehow I feel I think we're always trying to come back to that place where we recognize, where we are able to see more and more of that big, big picture and the way everything is deeply interconnected and all the things that keep us separated and all the ways that they keep us separated, they're they're constructs in some way. There's always really that that deeper understanding that we really are truly connected and that when we are able to shed all the things that we need to shed there's so much of it that brings us to more and more to greater greater openness that's where more of like the, I guess the distinguish 
meant to come in between joy and just a pleasure, although they're linked. And that it does come back to this idea of like right effort that they have in Buddhism, which is linked to, you know, whether or not something is truly helpful or unhelpful. And it's really tricky to gauge what that is. So it is just a constant reflecting and coming back and noticing and yeah, just openness and uh, and learning, constantly observing more and just understanding more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. Okay. And yes. <laughs> um, sometimes life happens, and you you uh, you hear some news, and you you have to grasp equanimity. <laughs> So my question is how to touch joy or resilience while you, while something is very difficult, yeah. both for you and the other person who's going through the Right. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, I think that um, uh, so when, when we're faced with something that's really, that's a great loss or something uh, is somebody that we care about is going through something very difficult or we are diagnosed with a serious illness or you know whatever Um, it's in these moments that our practice pays off really because when we've seen into impermanence when we've seen into um, the interdependence of life and the uncontrollability of life, um, then we have more space to know that uh, you know life doesn't unfold according to my preferences uh, and to be with things as they are. So, so it's a training that we we have learned in our practice to be with things as they are. It's not may not be a time for joy to to emerge. Maybe when you know somebody is you know that we love has just died. It's it, it's not necessarily the time for joy to emerge, and it it may not emerge, um, and it may be a process of of grieving and just you know. And that's it's more time for equanimity. It's more time for compassion. Um, for ourselves and for somebody else. Um, a compassion is love that resonates with the pain and suffering um, of, of someone or ourself. And, um, and so uh, what we call joy may, may not appear for a while. It, then it may, but but when we've learned to pay attention, we notice it when it appears. You know, so so I went through an experience um, eleven years ago. Um, you know, my son dying, and uh, quite uh, suddenly, and um, and so. I experienced that grief, very intense grief, of and being with that and giving space for that, and just listening to that and opening to that, and um, and you know gently caring for myself and um, and receiving the kindness and compassion from others, and then over time over weeks and months, I began to notice as I paid attention to the, to the grief that, um, that sometimes there were spaces in it and sometimes there was peace and sometimes there was even joy. And so, so it was my training, I mean, I, mean, I'm, I, I was so grateful for my practice at that at that time, and it was my, it was my many years of 
practice that enabled me to just, I mean, you know, I like I, I couldn't do anything but just be with the grief, but I could be with it. it I, I could give space to it. And, um, and, uh, and then, and then I began to see that, okay, there's, there's sometimes space in that grieving. You know, and I think that we can, when we're noticing joy, when we're noticing love, you know, when we're noticing generosity, when we're tuning in to our inner process and really opening, being open, uh, attending to ourselves, you know, and, and taking that time to really tend, then we do notice that these, these beautiful qualities, you know, kind of manifest and, uh, um, and, and they nourish us. So, yeah, it's, it's not always the time for joy. You know, joy sometimes you know, takes a back seat to compassion or, you know, just equanimity. Like these four that we chanted, you know, metta, karuna, mudita, upeka, you know, love, Compassion, joy, equanimity—they're called the um, the Brahma Viharas, the four, the the boundless states of heart, the the the, the heart of a Buddha, and so um, so they they kind of work together in different ways, and, and they they always support us. So. Thank you. So let's let's take a break now. <clears throat> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.